Finding and keeping a treasure of unimaginable glory. That's next on A Daily Walk. What am I taking in through the eyes? What, what is coming into my heart? What, what is my pursuit? I love Paul the Apostle's pursuit when he talks about, I've got one thing that I do. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. This is my pursuit. This is my goal. This is what I'm chasing after. This is my single focus. It's not double vision. It is a singular focus. Everything else in this world that is material, that is temporal, it's in the peripheral. It's not the main thing. It's a part of life. Yes, this is something that we use. This is something that we need. But this, this is the main thing. Singular focus, not double vision. Too many Christians with double vision, some blinded to what's really important. Financial experts have varying opinions when it comes to investing, but most will agree on the principle of diversification. In other words, don't put all of your eggs in one basket. However, when it comes to storing up heavenly treasures, that doesn't apply. We need only invest in heavenly stock, and this wise investment will lead to eternal spiritual dividends. We'll examine our relationship to what we have today on a daily walk. Pastor John Randall is currently teaching from the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 6. Jesus moves from fasting to verse 19, and he says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. In this passage, Jesus was not suggesting that a person couldn't own a possession or that planning financially for the future was a bad idea. He was encouraging and warning his disciples to not put all of their trust and focus solely upon the material and temporal things of the world. He warns them against greed and materialism and eventually worry. Now, we know concerning the religious leaders. In Luke 16, it says that the Pharisees were lovers of money. They loved it. In fact, the religious leaders were covetous. They would take advantage of others to get personal financial gain. They had ways of getting around providing for their parents by inserting this word called korban, meaning it was dedicated to God. I mean, these guys loved money. In fact, they would be considered hirelings who would fleece the flock instead of feed the flock. It was widely believed and it was even taught that the more money you had was the evidence of the greater blessing of God upon your life. That is why when Jesus, you remember when he met the rich young ruler and the words that he said to the rich young ruler that the disciples were astounded by his comments. The rich young ruler said that he had kept all the commands of the Lord. He'd done, you know, he'd just done all these great things. And Jesus said, hey, listen, if you want to follow me and be my disciple, go sell all that you have. And it says that he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. And Jesus said in light of that to his disciples in Mark chapter 10, he said how hard it is for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples, it says they were astonished at his words. 
But Jesus answered again and he said to them, children, how hard it is for those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God. It wasn't so much having the riches, it was that the riches had him. He had possessions. That wasn't the problem. The problem was the possessions possessed him. It was his idol. It was his God. In 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 10, the apostle Paul said, it's the love of money, not having it, but the love of it that is the root of all kinds of evil for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and they've pierced themselves through with many sorrows. This love of money, this only living for the temporal rather than the eternal and the material and the physical, what it does is it gets a hold of your heart and loving it, it can pull your heart away even from the faith. Become more greedy. It's never enough. It'll never satisfy. And some people have walked away from the Lord and their hearts have been filled with sorrow, it says. The psalmist declared in Psalm 62, do not trust in oppression, nor vainly hope in robbery. If riches increase, do not set your heart on them. On more than one occasion, Jesus warned against succumbing to the temptation of the temporal. In the parable of the sower, Jesus described a few seeds that were sown on different soils, one of which was the soil of the thorns. And when Jesus began to interpret what that parable meant, the seed that was sown among the thorns, this is what he said in Mark chapter four. He said, these are the ones that are sown among the thorns. They hear the word and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things entering in and they choke the word so that it becomes unfruitful. Another gospel says, so that it never comes to maturity. The word of God sown, thrown out into the hearts of people, to the soil of a soul. And the one that it lands where it's filled with thorns and which are represented by the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for more of those things, what it does is when the, the word begins to try and grow, it just immediately goes to the root source, crushes it, hinders it from ever growing, ever coming to maturity. There is a double life. They're trying to serve two masters and it's holding them back. And, and these things just hinder them from ever really being mature. Oh, they want to serve the Lord, but, but they're too consumed with what they have. And it overtakes them. And Jesus warned against that. In fact, so much so, Jesus told a parable, you remember, of a man referred to as the rich fool. Jesus spoke of a man in Luke 12 where a ground of a certain man yielded plentifully and he thought within himself saying, what shall I do? I have no more room to store my crops. So he said, I will do this. No, no asking God what he thinks he's doing. Just, I'm gonna do what I'm gonna do. And I will pull down my barns, I'll build greater barns, and there I'll store all my crops and goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. I'm doing so what well. He was loving his, I'm going to build bigger and better and more. And then you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to kick back. This is my plan. Uh, verse 20, but God said, 
And he always has the last word. But God said, fool, fool. This night, your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. The danger of being overtaken by materialism and possessions and things of that nature. Jesus wanted his disciples, wanted us to remember that there are things that are temporal and there are things that are eternal. In ancient times, wealth was seen in the garments that people wore. Jesus said, hey, listen, moths are going to eat it. Or the possessions that you had, good chance a thief might steal it. At the same time, there's something that is eternal and that cannot be touched. That is why Jesus said in verse 20, in contrast, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. It has been rightly said, we cannot take things with us, but we can send it ahead. You can't take it with you. Solomon was very concerned about this. And you can read about it in Ecclesiastes. He was so frustrated over the fact that he had amassed all of this wealth and he had to leave it to his foolish kid. What's he going to do with it? He was so bummed about the whole thing. You can read it. It's in there. In fact, he would, he would even write concerning these things, uh, concerning riches and say, listen, don't, don't set your heart on them. Don't set your mind on them. He said riches in Proverbs 23, verse 4, don't overwork to be rich because of your own understanding. Cease. Will you set your eyes on that which is not? For riches will certainly make themselves wings and they will fly away like an eagle toward heaven. Solomon said. <laughs> Let's ask ourselves the question. How am I investing? Where is my treasure? Where is my heart today? Am I simply treasuring and investing in the things that are temporal, in this life that is a vapor? Things that will ultimately, everything that we possess will eventually fall apart. I don't know if you're aware of that. Try as we want to, to keep it going, physically, mentally, materially, everything's falling apart. Your sweet ride out in the parking lot. Second law, thermodynamics happening right now. Don't get up. Don't leave. It's okay. Uh, it's going to fade. It's going to, I mean, you take care of it. You do the best to maintain it, but eventually it goes. You can do everything. That, gravity wins. I mean, in all of this, it just wins. It wins. <laughs> pulling us down to the grave. But we're going up, man. There's a new body. We're going to get it. It's going to be exciting. Uh, in the meantime, we just stay focused. But where is your treasure? What are you investing in? Things that are only temporary or things that are eternal? In the context, one final section here, Jesus says in verse 22, that the lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, well, then your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you 
is darkness. How great is that darkness? It's important to read these passages and the ones following in the context of what Jesus is saying concerning where our treasure is, what our pursuit is, what our focus is. The lamp, the lens of the body is your eye. What we take in through sight filters into the mind, filters into the heart, eventually makes its way out in our actions and our pursuit. If what we are observing and focusing upon with our eyes is good, well, that, that directly affects the way that we live. What we're looking at today, what we're reading today, if we allow the word of God and the light that's found there to come through the eyes, come through the heart, come through the mind, there is something that is happening. The word of God is transforming us and changing us and the light is becoming brighter and I'm seeing things with a clear perspective. However, if I am not focused upon these things. If my eyes are constantly shifting and looking and, and chasing after things that are only temporary and I think that it's light, but it's actually darkness, it's going to have a greater impact on my life in the negative. The point in the context of, of what your, your eyes, your focus upon is material and that's all that you live for, you can become blind to what really matters, to what really lasts and sensitive to spiritual concerns altogether. What you think is light in those cases is really darkness and then you're deceived. How great is that darkness that you think is light when in reality it isn't? It's very dark to be sure. What are we seeing? What are we pursuing? What are we chasing after? Because there's so many things that come, I mean, the, the, Marketing. I mean, just constantly, hey, you need, oh, I need that, I need this, I need, and it's always something different, better, a more. Ah, you gotta have it. And, and these guys are good at what they do. Constantly pulling us in this way. Constantly, you, that phone is good, but it's not as good as the next one. And that one that you have, for a little while, there's actually another one. It's all, it's all, it's all to pull us away. It's all to chase after this, chase after that, pursue that. What am I taking in through the eyes? What, what is coming into my heart? What, what is my pursuit? I love Paul the Apostle's pursuit when he talks about, the, I've, I've got one thing that I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. This is my pursuit. This is my goal. This is what I'm chasing after. This is my single focus. It's not double vision. It is a singular focus. Everything else in this world that is material, that is temporal, it's in the peripheral. It's not the main thing. It's a part of life. Yes, this is something that we use. This is something that we need. But this, this is the main thing. Singular focus, not double vision. Too many Christians with double vision. Some blinded to what's really important. And then Jesus says this, and here's where we'll conclude. And notice the emphasis here how emphatic he is when he says, no one, no one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and he will love the other or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You, again, cannot serve God and mammon. These material things It says no one. Many have tried, but none have been successful in serving two masters. 
The reason is because there is a divided loyalty, a divided interest. There is a divided heart. You can't serve God with that singular focus and at the same time serve all of your material. It just, it doesn't work. You have to make a decision. There are, there are two masters. Which one do you choose? There's a choice involved. And there are many, I would say even in the church today, that are dissatisfied with Jesus and at the same time frustrated in this world. And the reason is they're trying to live in two places. I want to have just enough of Jesus so that, so that I can, you know, still be okay with who I am in church and all that stuff. But then there's, I just want enough of the world so I can still feel comfortable and people will accept me the way that I, you know, I don't want to be so much over here that I'm not. Listen, stop, stop living in two places. Decide who you're going to be. Decide who you're going to serve. Who's your master? Who do you belong to? I'll tell you, who, here's the question, how you answer that. You know who you belong to if you understand who bought you, who paid for you with his blood. Listen, Jesus purchased us, the Bible says, with his own blood. We weren't redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold out of our aimless conduct, but with the precious blood of Christ, we have been redeemed. So if I've been bought by him, that means my life is his. I'm not my own. Stop living like you're your own. If you're a Christian, you're not. You belong to him. He's your master. Let me say this. He's a good master. He is gracious. He is merciful. He's loving. I'll tell you what, if you lived in the other world and you lived in for the master of this world, oh, he's a cruel master. Promises things that he doesn't deliver. Promises that he's going to do this in your life and then doesn't deliver and then makes it worse. Listen, you want to serve the devil? You can, but it's a miserable place. He comes as an angel of light, deceives people into thinking that this is going to satisfy them and it leaves them empty and wrecked and without their family and without their marriage and without their kids. You don't want that. This is the master you want to serve. You want to serve Christ and serve him alone, but make the decision. The world, man, just gets a grip. Pulling, pulling. Who am I going to serve? Oh, how many times in Scripture do you see the Old Testament prophets calling to the nation, pleading with them to serve the Lord? I think of Samuel in 1 Samuel 7, when Samuel spoke to all the house of Israel, and he said to them, if you return to the Lord with all your hearts, then Put away the foreign gods and the ashtoreths from among you. Prepare your hearts for the Lord and serve him only and he will deliver you from the hand of the Philistines. If, if you decide who you're going to serve, you have to make that choice. I think of Elijah there on Mount Carmel standing before the prophets of Baal and there is this showdown of sorts where you've got the prophet and then the prophets of Baal and Elijah just says so powerfully how long are you going to falter between two opinions if the Lord is God then follow him but if Baal is God then follow him you can't be both places you have to decide right now who you're going to serve said the prophet I think of the indictment on the nation in 2nd Kings when it says they feared listen they feared the Lord yet they serve their own gods according to the rituals of the nations from among whom they were carried away. That is, a, that is a real indictment even upon this nation at the present time. Oh, we fear the Lord, but we serve other gods. And that is why we're in the condition that we're in. 
There's a double-mindedness. The Bible says that a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. In Zephaniah, the prophet declared, those who worship the host of heaven on the housetops, those who worship and swear oaths by the Lord, but they also swear by Milcom, another God. Those who have turned back from following the Lord and they have not sought the Lord nor inquired of him. Jesus makes it so clear, so emphatically clear. We cannot serve two masters because the outcome is I'm either going to be loyal to this one and despise that one or I'm going to be loyal to this one and despise the other. Who am I going to serve? Only you can answer that question. Only I can respond to that. Maybe you've been trying to live in two places. Maybe you're one of those people that, you know, you, when you're around your worldly friends, you are as worldly as anybody there who doesn't know the Lord. And they would not know you're a Christian if they put you in a lineup. Uh, it just, there's not enough evidence. And then on Sunday, you are as Christian and holy and righteous outwardly and you say all the right things and speak Christianese. I mean, you just uh, praise the Lord, hallelujah, bless God. And you do all those things until Monday. I mean, just listen, we, we can't live in two places. And I will confess to you that there was a season so many years ago and although I knew what was right, I lived for what was wrong. And I can, can I say to you that that is a miserable place to be because you, you just know too much. You, you've been exposed to too much light. And you know, and you're uncomfortable there. And people in the world see you there and they ask you, what are you doing here? Aren't you a Christian? It's none of your business, you know. Really? Okay. You're being rebuked by non-believers? That's sad. <laughs> Who will you serve? Serve the Lord. Serve the Lord. You will never, never regret serving the Lord, but you will forever regret not serving him. Choose. He gives you a free will. For love to be love, there has to be a choice. It's up to us. He's chosen. He loves you. He's made that clear. When he died and rose again, how will you respond to that? You're listening to A Daily Walk with our teacher and pastor, John Randall. Hear the study again anytime you'd like at adailywalk.org and sign up for our free podcast so you can start receiving biblical encouragement on a regular basis. If you'd rather have a CD copy sent your way, that's available for a cost of $5. You can order by phone at 877-242-0828. Have you downloaded our free app, this is a great way to listen to weekly teachings from John. Search for Calvary South OC. It's always encouraging to hear from our listeners. Even just a brief email letting us know you're listening and where means a lot. It's an opportunity to say thanks to God for what he's doing. Share a praise report or a prayer request today. You can email that to us at adailywalk at gmail.com. That's adailywalk at gmail.com. We've got a timely resource to share with you today. It's Barry Stagner's book, The Time of the Signs. This will give you a chronology of Earth's final events. 
As you study the signs Jesus foretold, you'll gather evidence that proves we are living in the very time of these signs. You'll also gain a clear understanding of what will happen and when. That's the time of the signs. Just $12 at adailywalk.org. You can also call 877-242-0828. A Daily Walk is made possible through the support of listeners just like you. With your help, we're able to deliver God's good news all over the nation and world. Would you consider helping us in this venture to get the word out? People are being blessed and helped in their daily walk. Again, to make a secure donation, drop by adailywalk.org or call us 877-242-0828. Let's turn back to Matthew 6 now. Today, maybe there are some things you need to be praying about. Maybe it's time to fast and pray. Seek the Lord. Hear from Him. Maybe you found yourself caught up in the material and, and you just, you know, your, your heart's drifting and, and you're investing in all the things that are temporary, but there's really nothing spiritual to account for, nothing eternal. Hey, it's not too late to change that, to allow the Spirit of God to direct and guide and, and, and have things in their proper perspective, the right priorities, friend. It's not too late for that. Or perhaps you've been trying to serve two masters and you realize based upon the authority of the words of Jesus, you really can't do that effectively and you need to make a decision. I'd encourage you, do that today. Don't wait any longer. Thanks for being with us today. Come back next time when Pastor John Randall will continue our journey through the Bible. This is a presentation of Calvary South O.C., 